This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. It's time for us to check in with Keith Baldry, our Global News Legislative Bureau Chief in Victoria, to talk more about this legal victory for BC and to kind of put it all into context for us. So Keith is with us now. Good morning, Keith. Morning, Simi. Okay, so I'm guessing this this might be a win for BC, but this is just, it's a temporary win, right? This is not a bigger ruling here. No, it's a, it's a temporary win. It's a temporary injunction. Uh, basically, the, the court's ruling, look, uh, this is a serious issue, and the federal court is the traditional area of dispute resolution when you've got two provinces with opposing views. What's unusual about this is I don't recall a province uh, having, a, first of all, a province challenging another province's piece of legislation. It's usually jurisdictional disputes and, you know, um, competing overlapping of claims and this right. type of thing. Uh, but this is a BC channel, challenging the validity of another province's piece of legislation that was passed by the provincial legislature. And you've got Alberta basically enacting a bill that ostensibly is designed to penalize, in this case, one province, uh, British Columbia. So it's a, it's a serious matter that the federal court has decided it needs more information and, and it's uh, submissions, legal submissions from both sides before it can make a, a final ruling here. So this is a temporary win for BC, but a win nevertheless. Right. But it wasn't all political theater to begin with though like was it even realistic to think that alberta could do something like this how are you going to tell private companies who to sell their product to yeah, this this is basically, I, I think, a case of uh, high-level shadow boxing. Keep in mind, this bill was actually passed by the former NDP government in Alberta. It was proclaimed into law by the United Conservatives under Jason Kenney. Um, and the law basically would require uh, companies to get a permit from the energy minister in Alberta before they could ship anything through that pipeline. So I think a lot of this, as has been so much uh, the case between BC and Alberta, it's a shadow boxing game that where nobody actually lands any real punches. BC's done nothing really to block the construction of the pipeline, despite Jason Kenney's oft-repeated rhetoric that somehow BC's uh, putting impediments in front of it. In fact, quite the opposite. British, the BC NDP government has been granting permit after permit after permit to allow the, the pipeline to proceed. There's some bureaucratic and legalese uh, fights going on, but in terms of actually stopping the construction, BC's done nothing, and certainly nothing to merit Alberta's use of this sort of uh, nuclear option of, yeah. of literally turning off the tap. So it's long on rhetoric, short on specifics, and short on actual action. Right, but it certainly did the trick for Jason Kenney, right? Even though it was originally brought but, in by, by Rachel Notley, it did the trick for Jason Kenney during the election. It, exactly. I mean, Jason Kenney can dine out on this. He's, he's seen in Alberta. It's interesting. You know, I do a lot of Alberta radio yeah. with our global colleague stations there, and their take on these things is completely different than us. They do think <laughs> that we are somehow at war with Alberta and that we're doing things actively uh, to stop this pipeline, uh, you know, using every tool in the toolbox, because that's the impression Jason Kenney leaves with Albertans, that somehow BC's constantly trying to throw uh, you know, roadblocks in front of this right. thing. And I keep explains to them, no, we've actually done very little. There's some court challenges. You know, BC's got a, 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 a its own uh, reference case where we're trying to uh, enact uh, that, the rule that we can uh, somehow govern what flows through that pipeline on our end. That's going to be in the Supreme Court of Canada. That's a reference case that BC's already lost in the BC Court of Appeal by a 5 nothing judgment. Uh, but BC's in, in court a lot uh, to try to tie up this pipeline, but it doesn't really tie it up. It just simply kicks the ball down 
down the road uh, as courts have yet to make a final determination. Right. Okay. This is what I wonder too. Like what happens when you explain that to them? That don't, what are you guys talking about? That's not really what's going on. <laughs> it's uh, no, they, they again, Albertans take the view, I think, increasingly they're, they're somewhat isolated from the rest of Canada because they're so dependent on one industry that certainly has a lot of problems. And I think they see everyone else as, as a potential enemy to that industry because of legal challenges. But in this case, as I keep explaining, legal challenges are one thing, denying permits and preventing construction is quite another. And that's not happening with this project, it's simply a legal fight not a real, you know, on the ground fight, at least from the VC government perspective. Right. Okay. So then what happens now with this whole thing? Well, this particular case, I think, will be heard some months from now uh, over whether or not uh, Alberta has the power to turn off the taps. I don't think this is the big, the big case in this particular um, ongoing battle over whether the pipeline gets built or not. I think the more fundamental case is whether or not uh, the Court of Appeal will be satisfied that there were adequate consultations with First Nations. That's the key, key legal argument here, and certainly where the pipeline could ultimately die if the courts determine that there was not adequate consultation. And I'm not saying they will, because right. they've already ruled there was. But if they ultimately um, decide that's that's the finding, then the whole thing starts again. Uh, the whole process um, of environmental assessment it basically starts at, at day one again. And that would could potentially exhaust the economic viability of this project. So that's the real key case mm -hmm. that has yet to be heard. Uh, these other ones, you know, whether BC can, can challenge the what goes through the pipeline or whether Alberta can turn off the taps. I'd be very surprised if the courts side with either the province, either Alberta or BC in their own uh, individual court cases here. But if they did, I mean, that changes the game, uh, uh, the channel quite a bit. But I, I think that has a potential of a lesser impact on uh, ultimately on this project than the more fundamental issue of whether First Nations was consulted right. were consulted adequately. Because courts have signaled to them that's the key matter that they, they're most interested in more than anything. Right. It just seems like there's a never-ending number of court cases having to do with all of these issues. Oh, there is, and because we have so many levels of court, you know, yeah. you've got you've got your 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 provincial supreme courts, you've got your provincial court of appeals, you've got the federal court of appeal, and you've got the supreme court of Canada. That's four levels that these things have to go through, and when you've got four different cases, uh, it can be ex an exhausting process. All I know to me is that I should have put my kids in law school and sent them to <laughs> uh, energy law because uh, you can make a I think a lot of lawyers are making a lot of money off these legal challenges of this pipeline that is yet to be built. And it sounds like they're going to be doing that for a long time yet, Keith. So thank you. You're right. I'll think about that. Yeah. I'll tell my kids to go to law school. Thank you. <laughs> uh, we'll be talking about this again. Okay. We will be. That is Keith Baldry, our Global News Legislative Bureau Chief in Victoria.